to the Meaningful Marketplace. I'm Sarah Massoni from Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center, where I've helped countless dreamers launch their new food products. It's the science of taking a food delight from the kitchen to mass manufacturing and still keeping its great taste. That's what I do. I've been called the woman with the million dollar palate, although I haven't tried to cash that check yet. Listen in weekly for real life stories. Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce and author of Preservation Pantry, modern canning from root to top and stem to core. I love inspiring business owners to get started on their journeys, encouraging folks to be part of their local community, and I'm excited to help business owners tell their stories. Join us as we explore the journeys of women entrepreneurs in the food and beverage industry. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Missoni and Marshall, a meaningful marketplace. Thanks for joining us as we learn about the experiences of female food founders. This is Sarah Marshall, owner of Marshall's Hot Sauce. And Sarah Massoni of Oregon State University's Food Innovation Center. Hi, Sarah. I saw Hello. that you were at the food bank this week with the um, Food Innovation Center team. Yeah, we processed over 7,000 pounds of red cabbage. That's so awesome. Did the red cabbage get donated from a farm or a store? I reckon a farm out of Bakersfield. There was a lot of waste. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was about equal amounts of waste and good product that came out of those totes. And it was a little sad. Yeah. Because there's two things going on there. We're, like, reclaiming waste that didn't get to be used. And then we have to actually look at that waste that we're getting rid of. Yeah. (laughs) And, and is there anything that you can do with it, really? It's rotten and it's moldy. Rotten. Yeah, so probably not. So we were pulling the outer leaves off. Um, one of the indicators that the, the uh, cabbage has gone too far is the mold starts to come out the stem mm-hmm. cut. And so some of the cases, we just really had to throw the whole case into the recycling bin. Yeah. Do they compost any of that waste at the food bank? I know yeah, they were all, working on a program for that a while the, back. Yeah, all the tubs say compost on the side, mm-hmm. so I'm guessing the answer is yes. Yeah. When I was, when I, you know, I used to pick up from the food bank every week. That was kind of a while ago now, but they were working on a program to then create compost and then take it um, to the community gardens. Oh, so, perfect. Yeah, so we had a community garden at our center that I ran, and then we would, you know, pick up some of the compost, but that time it was a very small amount. Yeah, know? I mean, anybody can go volunteer at the food bank, yeah. and the, there was one gal I was hanging out with. We just kind of got into like a cabbage pick and roll together, and I was like, <laughs> how many times have you been to the food bank? She's like, this is my sixth time. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, this is only my second time. I better... It's kind of cool to do it, especially if you're part of any kind of group. You can just arrange for all of you to go, you know, work a shift. Team building. Yeah. And we don't, you know, I don't have like a staff team, but I did it with my canning group. We just like all went and did it. (laughs) Amy's like, Mom, Sarah always says she wants to go places with you. Maybe you should say you want to go places with her. Amy, thank you for making me feel supported. I know that your mom wants me to go places with her, and she invites me to do things all the time, maybe just not on air. (laughs) Well, I have some food news today, but it is some interesting food news because it's not local. So I was in San Diego this week. Oh, yeah, you were. And I, you know, I... 
go to our farmers markets here all the time, but I was there for a farmers market conference, and I wanted to share one of my food finds and have you try it. Oh, because I found a really cool product. She also found a gigantic slide in a public park. Oh yeah, San Diego is really awesome. So I go down for this conference every year, and it's when it's like the coldest and rainiest here, and it's always beautiful there. So it's like seventy degrees. Yeah, we stay at this hotel that has because it's where the conference is. It has water slides, so I take my fam and they just swim while I'm working. Everything's awesome. It's so good. It's beautiful. We can walk everywhere. We go to the beach. Like Mission Beach is right there. We just walk over. There's like a amusement park with roller coasters. It's Mm -hmm. like this dream thing, and everything's free you know yeah. so it's really nice yeah well so i went to their farmer's market in little italy they have a weekend one and a weekday one okay and i found um this wonderful product called lily pops and oh. she takes lily seeds from lily pads and pops them like popcorn yeah actually the pop to lily seeds come out of asia yeah they're already popped and then we have quite a few companies that are you know, importing them into the U.S. and then putting, re-toasting and putting flavors on them. Well, she said she pops the seeds herself. Really? And it was something that her family did. Okay. Um, so here, I don't know if she imports just the seeds, but um, those ones are chili lime. So they're kind of, I liked them because they were kind of spicy. Well, the thing about it is they are like, I think they're low carbon. Yeah. Like virtually, it's just really about the snack and the crunch. Not I just the, thought it was a cool thing. Her, is there any calories in this? I don't know. Her company name, there's 80 calories in a serving. There's two servings per this container. It's a pretty big bag. This Her product's called Lily Pops, and her company is called Fresh Flavors. She also does some turmeric powder, um, like like golden milk that's powdered, mm. and then she makes all these different chutneys and Ooh, things. Ooh, yummy. So I will post a link so you guys can find her online, but I just thought it was a fun thing that you could try okay. from mm, San Diego. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I also wanted to tell our listeners about um, the women that run the conference that I did down there. They have a farmer's market-focused podcast, and it's called Tent Talk. So if oh. you do a farmer's market, it's a really great podcast to listen to because they tell you, you know, it's it's meant for people that have a booth at the farmer's market, but also market managers. And that's who's a lot of the conference attendees are market managers from all over the country. So I met people from, you know, anywhere from New York to Canada, and they all have these market it's all around the country. It's a really cool, cool gathering. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was around my people all weekend. It was yeah. really nice. It's a great feeling when you feel like you're with your people. Yeah, that's how it felt. So if you want to, if you're interested in farmers market talk, then tune into TED Talks. Tent Talks, not TED Talks. Tent with a T. Uh, if you're a food entrepreneur and you have a press release for us to announce or any kind of food news, you can submit those to startupradionetwork.com and we can help you spread the word about whatever you got going on that's food related. So today we are joined in the studio with Lisa Herlinger. Did I say that right? A hard G. Herlinger. <laughs> Herlinger. Very got it. Yeah. Uh, and Lisa is the owner of Ruby Jewel Ice Cream. And Ruby Jewel Ice Cream makes uh, these wonderful local ice creams and ice cream sandwiches using local ingredients. So welcome, yes, Lisa. Thank you very much. We're welcome. so glad to have you here today. Yes. <laughs> and this is the first time Lisa and I have met, but Sarah, you know Lisa, right? I do. I met Lisa in 2004. Yes. And is that when you started the business? That's when I started the business, yes. 15 years ago. Uh-huh. That That's wild. She's yeah. a senior member of the graduating <laughs> class of the Food Innovation Center. <laughs> yes. Was she your first ice cream client? 
She was. Whoa. Mm-hmm. That's big, because now Sarah's like this ice cream expert. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> you were the first. Well, I always knew how to taste ice cream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just had to figure out the manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you came to the Food Innovation Center, did you already know what you wanted to do? Or did you, like, were you already making the ice cream sandwiches? Yes. Um, well, right before, the, I, I did take, they had offered a Food Business 101 course, and I took that right before before I started actually selling the ice cream sandwiches at the farmer's market. And so I spent the the first season selling the ice cream sandwiches at the farmer's market and then realized that there might be some potential for, like, getting them out into the grocery stores. Um, And that's when I had called the Food Innovation Center again because I had a little idea of what they did and how they could help, um, you know, food products get to that next level and that's when they told me about the food fight yeah we had this thing called american food fight and it was an opportunity for food entrepreneurs to compete for a commercialization package whoa yes you don't still do that do you no we only did it twice (laughs) (laughs) and that really was it was there were two things that happened one it sort of brought the food innovation center to the to the city's attention and the state's attention because we were able to get some media Mm -hmm. And then, too, it actually launched a a really awesome business for Lisa. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I was um, exposed to experts in the dairy field, Mm -hmm. the packaging world. You know, I have a culinary background. So I had gone to culinary school and worked in a lot of restaurants and learning you know, the ins and outs of food manufacturing is very different than the restaurant world. Mm. So I was like so fortunate to have won that award. And then I went worked out of the Food Innovation Center for the first year of getting Ruby Jewel started and really, I mean, helped scale the recipes, you know, from making 100 cookies to thousands of cookies and you know, proving people wrong when they said, you know, making ice cream is not rocket science. And I'm yeah. like, well, yes, it is. Actually, there's a lot there's a lot more science behind it. Yes. And you do need a lot more experts around you to really, you know, understand the scaling process. Yeah. So you need some help. It mm-hmm. was great for the Food Innovation Center because we actually we had been around for about five years, but we were still getting our feet wet and didn't know what it actually meant to help a food entrepreneur. So I made this decision that we were going to house Lisa in the back processing area and we were going to do whatever it took to make sure that she was successful while she was with us. That's so cool. Because you don't yeah. do that now. That was well, just at the time. Well, we do it a little bit differently. We actually have a project that's taken up our processing area right now that's going to be a couple years. Um, we're working with OHSU on a special um test where we produce a syrup that has a certain ingredient in it and it's being um, tested by children that are very sick across the U.S. And so that area has sort of become like the super clean area. Mm -hmm. But we will open it up again in the future. Cool. Yeah. That's so awesome. And Lisa, I've been um, next to, you guys don't have a booth at the farmer's market anymore, right? don't we the last year was the first year that we we didn't have a booth at yeah, the market I thought oh, so so yes. we I miss it yeah my daughter always would look for that so Lisa's yeah. booths always are beautiful so she's at pink. the mall yeah and they had, the like she had this big pink um, umbrella yeah. mm-hmm. with all these like tassels mm-hmm. like it was always mm-hmm. blowing in the wind yep. and my daughter would see it <laughs> and be like yep I know where I want to go but mm-hmm. then you weren't there and yeah. is that because now you have retail locations 
It is. It's, you know, logistically, it was a lot easier when we had the person working the market could drive the van, you know, unload the van, take the cash. But then it just turned into like we couldn't find that. I mean, we just didn't have that one person that could do the whole thing. So then it would be like, you know, having the driver drop off the cart and then the person working would meet. And then it just got logistically, it just got a little bit crazy. And then I also really enjoyed like doing this really small batch like farmers market flavors mm-hmm. so that there could be something a little different there instead of just the same um, packaged ice cream that they could you know you can buy at the grocery store and then that you know that just got harder as we grew um, especially in like our production facility now um, now I have a little kitchen out at our newest shop on Northwest 23rd where I can go back to doing those really like small batch um, projects and yeah. things, which is really fun for me. But um, the last couple of years, our, our production facility just didn't allow for us to do really like small crafty, you know. That's what they always projects. kind of say, like as you grow, like you have to kind of cut things out because you have yes. to create this like perfect system. Yes. But then it's nice that maybe you're getting to the point where you can add it back into it. Yeah. This other space. Yes. Which is really it's really fun. But yeah, production is just turning into exactly just a, a, a well oiled machine. Yeah. Mm. It's it's. Really cool because it really is improving the quality of our ice creams. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we have a tunnel freezer now. So, like, we're making the ice cream and then it goes right into this, like, negative 200 degree, like, super frozen, which is really a testament to, you know, you want to get ice cream as cold as fast as possible for those ice crystals to, you know, stay away and keep the texture nice and creamy. So that's really good. Um, I have to keep remembering that the, the bigger systems are helping improve the quality, you know, because it <laughs> is it's probably definitely... a big change from when you first did it. Did, yeah. I remember that you um, would sell bags of like broken cookies. Yes, at no the cookie left behind. Yeah, and, which I loved. But probably yeah. now you have a different system where you don't have so many broken cookies. Well, we do. Oh, <laughs> actually. <laughs> but, um, you know, just again, the systems as you grow are harder. Like we had done a program where we were selling the broken cookies through our shops, the same system. And then we would donate all that money to like a, an organization. But then it was just, you know, like, the literally like well when does it expire how you know like how long do we keep the cookies you know like just just again once you know after we have one store two now we have four stores and mm-hmm. keeping all those systems as you grow or like creating those systems as you grow I've definitely realized the challenges that that can, comes with can you tell us your social media handles I think we skipped over that because we are so excited you're here oh <laughs> yeah so it's um, our Instagram is at Ruby Jewel Ice Cream. Mm-hmm. And then our you have Facebook. Facebook is just I think it's at Ruby Jewel Ice Cream also. Okay. And then we have a Twitter. I was gonna do. I'm I'm in charge of that right now, which is really fun. Oh, cool. Oh, <laughs> so you can tweet about your radio. Yes. Debut. Yeah. So I will do that later for sure. <clears throat> Tell mm-hmm. us about the vans that you have in the mall. So I saw this beautiful van you yeah. have at Washington Square. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so cool. So it's a dub box. So it's a local company. They they're out of um, Lake Oswego. Um, they are kind of, you know, manufactured to look like a VW bus, but it's actually a little shop. So we, the first one we got, we um, had it at the um, Moda Center. So oh. it's been at the Trailblazers games. Oh, okay. And then it's been really cool because that one in the summertime would go to the Oregon Zoo. Mm-hmm. And that has proved that those two, like from the Moda Center to the zoo, has been really successful. That's but good. malls, not so much. Um, we're having a little bit... Um, 
I don't know if it's just malls or if it's just... You mean you... Our sales are just aren't that great there oh. yet, but we're working on it. I think... Do you give free samples like C's candy? Yeah, right? No, well, so... That's what you should we, use well, the broken cookies for. I know, we need to, but we honestly, the first license like we didn't get the because our license for the one at the mall is just pre-packed sandwiches mm. so once you start like touching the food then you have to get like a different health department license oh. pretty sure we're working on that because samples is huge for us like even yeah. at the i mean the farmer's market was such a beautiful place to like just sample like yeah because you get like what's does there still like ten thousand people that walk through there yeah. like just people just trying it is so valuable we we tell people that all the time that really a lot of the farmer's market becomes this place Marketing. where people can just try what we make because they'll see it in the grocery store but yeah. you know it's expensive and they don't want to take that risk yeah, on buying something sure without trying like it. it so we just we a lot of times at the farmer's market we think of ourselves as just being there to interact with people totally. and let them try our product and let us tell them about it and yeah. then like they'll take it from there it's such you know? a great space to do that yeah if absolutely. the mall is not working why haven't you pulled out so of there? we're we um the leases are up soon i would so pull out of there we're gonna be pulling it's out not of working. there I think. yeah yeah, it's just we had a lease that we have to go through. Um, and then we, we're changing our hiring to, like, we um, make it to be more of a brand ambassador position instead of just the regular person that doesn't really they don't care get... to sell. They're just kind of standing there. But we really need someone that's more interactive, like, with the customers yeah, and talking. telling people mm -hmm. what the product is and how great it is. So we're in that process right now. But, um, you know, once also, like... We go away from Portland. It's just the finding the right staff and the people. That's been a challenge as well. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just. I almost wonder if it would be better if you were outside the door at the mall, so when people are leaving, they can take oh, it home. Yeah, because it's hard to eat something like that in the mall. Yeah, yeah. I I think. I wonder if they would let you just try it. I think for the we, last month, we, stick it outside. I think we were, I mean, we had talked to Bridgeport because I thought Bridgeport would be better because it's more of that outside mall and yeah. they have yeah, concerts. Yeah, you could be by the um, playground. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's pricey. It's mm -hmm. expensive to be there. So yeah. I don't know. So we're working on, I think um, one of those things, I think we're working on getting it up actually to T-Mobile Park for the summer. Oh, that'd be For good. the uh, Mariners games. Not sure exactly where that has landed, but Yeah. The zoo and the motor center are perfect. Awesome. Yeah, yeah th that does really well. People but. want treats when they're at special events. Yeah, mm -hmm. and then actually one of them was at Oaks Park, which was did really well also, which mm. was pretty mm. good last year. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We we just saw that they were redoing the um, food center at Oaks Park. They're, they're putting some oh. money into rebuilding there, so it might draw in some people. Yeah. Yeah, um, I love it there. Yeah, <laughs> I want to go. It's so like nostalgic. It's just like yeah. old school. Like, well, and they're in the food center. They're like redoing it to be like an old timey diner, but cool. it's like um, a newer designer doing it. So it's it should be very exciting. That's cool. Yeah, I have to go there for dinner someday <laughs> in the summertime. Okay, Lisa. So when you started making your ice cream sandwiches, yes, you let's talk about the cookies first. Okay, so. You were manufacturing the cookies yourself, and then you started working on finding a co-packer. Yes. Tell us a little bit about all the exciting things that happen when you're looking for a co-packer. Oh, boy. Yeah, I, I, I'm trying to 
think now how many different bakeries we've worked with. We're pretty, we've got a good, pretty consistent one for the last few years. But at the beginning. It was tough. Oh, my gosh. I I just. You, I remember boxes and boxes of cookies <laughs> yeah. coming into the food yeah. innovation center. I mean, center. you have like a recipe. I, I mean, I'll always like stand by having an all butter, you know, basically a cookie that you would make at home. Like, yeah. I don't want anything else in that ingredient label that. You can't read, you don't understand, because a cookie, I feel like, should be what a cookie is. Right. Um, so, you know, with that said, uh, the the flour, you know, like, this is where all, like, the chemistry part comes in of baking and, like, the different yeah. flours and the different, well, you know, the butters and the, how much butter fat's in it and, like, makes such a difference. Yes. Um, so, you know, and, you know, it just it's just, I'll never forget somebody saying, like, you know, it's not that hard to make a one-ounce cookie. And I'm like, well, actually, it is pretty hard to get a consistent one-ounce cookie yeah that is you know not it doesn't like we, we don't have to have it be like perfect like the you know like an oreo kind of like cut out cookie like mm -hmm. that's not what i want i want like a little bit of that imperfect like handmade crafty look but it also still has to be fairly consistent because yeah, you know? it has to fit in your package it has to fit in the packaging um i've always been box it has to fit in the box I, and i've always been really um passionate about that ratio of ice cream to cookie so that it's not a th super thick cookie. Mm -hmm. um, it's always had a little bit uh, a little bit thinner um, so that there's like a big chunk of ice cream in it and not like the cookie's too thick and then the ice cream's too thin so like it smushes out. Yeah, that's what they do with those Nestle's chocolate chip cookie ones. The Toll House? Yeah. Yeah, some of them are so thick and... The cookies are so thick. I know, and they're not good. So yeah, so we've worked with a lot of different bakeries Um over the year, you know, really mostly at the beginning, but um, it's it's just a lot of, you know, R&D and now, you know, having to like pay for that R&D time, you know, which I totally understand. Because Do you go and watch them make cookies? Yeah, yeah. So we've gone and watched the lines and... How many, what... Um, like if you had to say how many cookies you ate in one day, what was the maximum <laughs> number of cookies you ate? Right, like twenty, <laughs> at least just sampling. Uh, like, and then you know they taste really good right off the line. Oh, and yeah. right now the cookie um, so go through a cooling tunnel. Um, but one another bakery will take them, bake them, and then cool them right into the freezer. So mm. like all those different, like we're learning a lot about the moisture content. Yeah, and, like, it changes the texture and everything. Yeah, and um, I think I I think it's really uh, like one of the next steps of the cookie would be to add that like chocolate layer on it so that it has a barrier between the ice cream and the cookie. Oh. Um, but that's just a whole nother process. So that... you, I remember you talking about how you wanted a specific snap in the cookie. Like you wanted it to be, start out crunchy, right? A little bit, yeah. But, you know, as long as, you know, the ice cream, right, exactly. The moisture from the ice cream will, you know, soften, st it, up. soften it up. But I really like that outside to be a little bit crispy and then have it like nice and soft on the inside. She spent a lot of time a thinking about this. A lot of time on cookies, <laughs> yes. And, um, yeah, it's interesting to God, see where we're at now. So it's you you started off with a couple of uh, favorite combinations. Can you tell us what they are? Yeah. So the two, um, well, the two like top flavors that we started with was the um, lemon cookie with the honey lavender ice cream. Yeah, my favorite. And that was inspired by, I don't know if it's still there. It's like a um, dessert place on Belmont called the Pied Piper or something. It was like oh. a house. Pied Cow. Pied Cow. Yeah, yes. it's still there. Is that still there? Yeah. I, oh my gosh, I haven't been there for years. <laughs> you they need to like go a, back, it a, sounds like. I know, they had a honey <laughs> lavender steamer. And I was like, oh, 
so good. I like I'll never forget that day. I'm like, I think this would be good as an ice cream. I mean, this was like 20 years ago. And then so that kind of was inspired by that. And then with the lemon cookie, um, one of our like top flavors still sells like by far. And then the fresh mint with a dark chocolate cookie. Mm. I wanted to like have all the flavor. I wanted to have like rosemary chocolate cookie with fresh mint ice cream and kind of do things like a little bit different. But then I pretty quickly realized that, you know, the, the mass market of people really like their traditional flavors like a little bit more. So just just elevating the mint ice cream with being real fresh mint in it and like, you know, locally sourced mint oil. Um, that was always really important. So those are the two top selling f- two t- flavors that we um, came up with at the beginning. And then we and then again, my friend had said, well, you got to do a chocolate chip with vanilla. Really? You really didn't want to. I, I didn't talking, want to. I, I talked about that a lot. And you were like, why do I have to have I this? I wanted to. And it's like our top seller by far. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> Still to this day, I just, you know, I feel like it's at least a really high quality, you know, high, you know, chocolate chip with a vanilla sandwich, which mm. still truly does not exist out in the like um, mass market. So I'm sure you picked out a really nice chocolate chip. Yeah, we have a Berry Calibo chocolate chip. Um, we have so many different chocolates now. I'm actually waiting from our production team to give me like the lowdown of all the different chocolates we use in different things because there's like so many. Yeah, it's a lot to keep track of. It is a lot to keep track of. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace. Committed to serving all Oregonians with the mission to advance the science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. We are inspired by the creativity of food innovation, new economic opportunities, and new experiences. Because food brings people together. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit, Lisa, about your business because you're the first person that we've had on that has a storefront and a product that you sell to other places. So mm-hmm. um, I'm sure that adds a whole nother layer to your experience. So you have to manage these shops and then also manage the production of your ice cream sandwiches because the shops have regular ice cream too, yes. right? Yes. So really then you're adding in multiple products and shops can we talk about what that oh, experience is like yes. for you? <laughs> very, very, yeah. So the and a lot of people don't realize that um, the the company started with just the ice cream sandwiches in the grocery stores, mm-hmm. um, and you know we did some catering and stuff like that. But it was um, f- I was actually traveling a lot. We had just gotten into the Whole Foods markets in Northern California and Seattle, and I was seeing these other ice cream shops popping up. And I'm like, you know what? Portland really doesn't have like an artisanal like ice cream shop at the time. You know, there was really all the chain ones, you know, Ben and Jerry's and um, Baskin Robbins. So my sister, Becky, um, she has her degree in restaurant management from UNLV. And so she and she had come moved up to Portland about a year after Ruby Jewel started and really helped do a little aspects of all the business. And she, and so she because I knew she really had that background of restaurant management. Um, I felt really like we felt like together we could we could nail like an ice cream shop. And of course, I'm thinking all you need is a dipping cabinet and a register, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow, that was really, really naive of me to think that all you need is a dipping cabinet and a register because you have to actually make all the ice creams. So we um, in 2010, so there'll be 10 years, we opened our first um, scoop shop 
on North Mississippi, and that was five years after started the grocery side of the business. And at that time, I had a totally separate, we had two separate businesses. So we had the Ruby Jewel Scoops business, which was the scoop shops, and then the Ruby Jewel Treats, which was all of the grocery and the manufacturing. And that was fun, running like two QuickBooks and two sets of employees, and like <laughs> it was, it got a little. Did crazy. you each take a side of the business, or? Yeah, so I was, I had always been in charge of the grocery and the making, the manufacturing, and then Becky really ran with like the the scoop shop side and order and you know getting hiring the right people and training them and you know, get dealing with all of the aspects of the scoop shop, and the scoop shop was pretty instantly successful on Mississippi, which was really cool. I mean, again, that was before Salt and Straw. It was like, you know, like really we were like the first scoop shop that was like local. And, um, you know, my, my, my idea was, and I would go to a lot of the scoop shops um, in Seattle and San Francisco. I was like obsessive and I'm kind of wanted to get a sense of what people were liking. So it was always important that we had like six or seven just like classic flavors, but we just, you know, just do them right, you know. So like the double chocolate we make is with a cocoa powder and we melt the chocolate. So it's just this really nice, rich double chocolate. Um and then also have like those rotating flavors. And I also, you know, didn't want to have the 31 flavors because I just felt like that was pretty overwhelming. And um, I just, you know, having that mix of just 13 flavors was always important. Anyways, <laughs> opened up our second shop. Um, the shops the shops have been really great um, as far as having that present, that brand experience and that um, place where people can actually have that touch point with the brand. Um, it's so interesting still to this day that people don't know that both sides exist. You, you know, so many people don't know that we have our stuff in the, in the, our ice cream sandwiches in the grocery stores. And then some people don't know that we have scoop shops. So we're still like, you know, marketing wise, trying to figure that out. We are, we have, merged the company so we are just now ruby jewel um we have one company with different lots of different little segments you know i think lisa actually innovated the ice cream category and she might not even know she did it and what she did was she put a layer of chocolate ganache on (laughs) her you know were those two gallon buckets or yeah so it's a one and a half gallon bucket yeah it's caramel ice cream with a layer of ganache Mm -hmm. and now all of you know the big brands have that Uh, stuff in pints yeah yeah Yeah. but dude you're the first you might want to lay claim to that you didn't know it but well you know know what's coming out soon i'm gonna put a little plug in for the new seasons 20 candles ice cream i don't know if you've had yeah you do it every year right yeah so we did it um 2014 was the first year but um i worked with new seasons market on their birthday pint so it's a pint of ice cream and the very bottom there's a layer of chocolate cake then salted caramel ice cream then another layer of chocolate cake then more salted caramel ice cream and then on top there's that layer of ganache with these like little green like locally made natural sprinkles on top oh my gosh (laughs) people love this ice cream we make about ten thousand pints and they sell in like six weeks it's crazy they're gone and it's a very labor intensive hands-on process that um yeah it's good for the team yeah 
I think so too. And it's fun, but that it's it's that chocolate ganache. People really yeah. really like it because it's only you kind of have to know that it's like really only on top, so you don't want to like, scrape like, it all off. And don't eat it. eat it all first. You right, gotta, right. You got to go through down it. in the <laughs> There's you need a like strategy. little instructions on yeah. the top. Actually, <laughs> what it would be cool yeah. is if you just a took clear. the cut the pint in half mm-hmm. and use that as your serving dish. Yeah. And then you would get to see the stripes and eat yeah. it. Like. Yeah. I've done it, actually served it in quarters and put like a slice on. It's like almost like a slice yeah. of the pint on the cake. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's coming out soon. Your okay. um, branding now between the shops and the packaging and everything yeah. is very cohesive. Thank and you. it all goes together. You can tell that um, you are, you know, Ruby Jewel. Uh, has your packaging changed over time? Yes, it has changed a lot. I'd say a lot. I mean, the very beginning, it was really like a, a red stamp or pink stamp on a white bag. Mm-hmm. And then we went into the just a, a bag, um, just a flat bag with a clear window that had our, our old logo on it, but with the pictures of, you know, the ingredients. And then we've transitioned into, like, the stand-up pouch because that was what I was we were seeing on the, in the boxes. Like, if it wasn't standing up, they would just fall over and you didn't really know what was there, what, you know, what was behind the behind the box i guess yeah so yeah we have a but but having that clear we have a clear bottom and a clear panel on the back of all of our packaging because you know there's a lot of stuff that can happen when you distribute a frozen product and you know melting will happen and that's completely out of our control once it leaves our negative 20 freezers so i want to make sure that people can like see what they're buying you know like it really bugs me when I buy something first of all it doesn't look like the package and then also like if it's you open it and I've you know it's totally melted and gross so yeah so you can sort of peek through and say oh yep yep, that's a good one yep totally do you have like refrigerator trucks or do you hire like a company that has refrigerator trucks so we have two freezer vans not trucks but vans and then one, we just are converting to have like that inverter so we can plug freezers in so we don't have to use so much dry ice when we're um, delivering. And then, but for the actual distribution world, most of the trucks come and pick it up from our production facility, like their freezer trucks. So your vans are really for just like local yeah. delivery that you do? Yeah, we call it RJDSD, so our direct store delivery. We have about 140 accounts that we deliver to directly and we have oh. two drivers one is my husband Blake, Hi, and, Blake. Um, <laughs> and um yeah and but we do a lot of self-distribution yeah That's you actually cool. you used sunshine dairy for a little yes, while yeah mm-hmm. kind of got a leg up got into mm-hmm. some of the sunshine, shops through them yes they were one of our very first distributor yeah yeah and then we used another small um, distributor up in Seattle until we kind of built our way up into UNFI, you know, which is one of the bigger natural foods distributors. Mm-hmm. So we're and now we're really um, Are getting you into. Are you across the U.S.? Nope, nope. We're really just really um, mostly in the um, Oregon and Washington, a little bit in NorCal, but we're we're starting to get into that sea store world. So we're okay. in plaid pantries. That's which, a local. Yeah, and they sell really well there. And mm-hmm. you know, I have to say, I was a little like, uh, but you know, people really. I'm like, anyone that appreciates quality should have access to it. And have you thought about Smart and Final, which used to be called Cash and yeah. Carry? Their headquarters are right there are in they? Milwaukee. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not totally. They like, have desserts there. Yeah, I'm not sure if we've pitched to them yet. There's a lot going on in our sales world that I am not 
like day to day aware. Can't of. be in charge of everything. Right. I've, I think, I've let a lot of stuff go. Over yeah, there. I think sometimes good. at those places where it is a lot of like processed food if you're going into that place and you're looking for something that is a natural product it's like yours would be maybe one of five other things in the shop so people will find it and buy it so i think even though sometimes you're thinking like i don't know if i want to be part of that like soda you know processed food world you're really not you're like creating something great for people to go in there yeah and you know stumptown coffee and all the craft beers like that was really the like like oh yeah and they do so well and it's Mm -hmm. like And then another fun thing that we do is the partnerships with like Burgerville. Yeah, that we have going on. Yeah, the cherry cherry chocolate. Yeah, Mm. we started with one skew, the pumpkin vanilla, last year, and this year we're gonna do four different sandwiches, like every quarter a seasonal sandwich. So that that's That's cool, and that's some of the fun stuff that I can still start with the testing at that twenty third shop and start working on little the recipes. Let's tell people where your shops are because everybody might not know. So you yes. mentioned Mississippi. Yep. North Mississippi is our first. Um, our second shop is downtown at 12th and Washington. It's our, called our West End shop. Um, and then we have one on Upper Hawthorne, um, like 42nd or 40, I'm sorry, 46th, I believe, right in between a pizza shoals and Porcano, two of my favorite restaurants. So someone was just telling me last night, they're like, it's just perfect. You can go get a pizza shoals and Ruby Jewel afterwards. That's great. And then our latest, our newest one, which is really fun. Um, it's on Northwest 23rd. It's, um, 1650 Northwest 23rd. And that one is, has that test kitchen and it's just, um, this really cool environment that has a lot of ruby jewel memories and history and it feels um, like you're in your living room yeah there's a real like a real like kitchen that you know an island that you can sit at there's a big table do you parties and stuff there yeah we um we do we've just hosted um somebody had their employee party there in the morning and then bought everybody ice cream sandwiches we've done a lot of really cool things we have the children's hospital come and bring in some of their um, inpatient um patients and then with their siblings and we did like this like hands-on you know make your own ice cream sandwich that's exercise nice. the therapist brought them in it was really cool like that's cool yeah we've done all, we've done had preschool kids come in and do like sensory things where we like had them taste and you know smell and and not here necessarily but yeah like touching so, touching the ice creams and you have a like son I have an eight-year-old son. And Mm -hmm. I see him like Uh he's your model. I see him like holding the ice cream sandwich or like helping his dad or whatever. Yes, yes, yes. Mm Yep. He was so excited that I was going to be on a podcast today. Oh, you have to say hi. He loves podcasts. That's cool. Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, he's funny. Yeah. He's, 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 um... Shouldn't be eating that much sugar, though, because he's a horrible eater in the other parts of his world. Well, maybe he wants the <laughs> the fats and the protein. Yeah, right. Maybe that's really what he's focusing yeah, on. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Maybe you could make a vegetable ice cream sandwich and sneak yeah. some vegetables in there. I know. I've tried all that. I've tried all that. He is. He is. He's off the charts. Picky. Oh, picky he's probably in the 20 percentile of a super taster. You know, he, something, there's something. So there when actually... kids are super tasters, they people think they're picky eaters, but it's really because they're a super taster. And so their tongues are super sensitive. Yeah. So what you might want to do is like pull out all the spices out of the spice drawer and have them start learning to smell them and taste them That's because that'll become like a library in his head and it'll mm-hmm. become valuable sort of in his future. Yeah. 
So That's, he's probably a super taster. He, he is. He is. He, I you would say he is. You can order those strips. You just taste it, and um, you taste the bitter. Then you're a super taster. Huh. So that that's a cool thing to focus on if your kid's a picky eater. Yes, that's that's probably a why good idea. you can teach them about what's happening, and then, yeah, and then they and have then a little become, bit more control over yeah, what they're and tasting. Yeah, then, and then they get excited. Yeah, and the textures. Yes. You know, like if we'll make them like a smoothie is probably the healthiest thing he's ever eaten. But if there's one seed that comes through, like a He'll he's over. It's done. Oh, like, freaks out. Like, <laughs> you, you have to like strain the smooth. I mean, oh, that's sweet. But he'll be good someday because his dad is a really good chef and cook, and it's amazing that he doesn't eat some of the foods he that will. we make. He will. He it's will. gonna happen. It's gonna yeah. happen. Uh, do you have any advice for um, people going into business or getting ready to start businesses? Anything you've learned over all these years? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, I, there's this real balance of just kind of going for it before you know too much. Like, just like like going for Blind. it. Blind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like I kind of joke that I had taken this ice cream making course um, a few years later. And I was like, if I had taken that at the beginning, I don't know. Did you go to I'd Penn State? No, I went to the... Uh, Wisconsin? Or, or Vegas. Oh, for, with Vegas. The, yeah, oh, with, with Bruce. Yeah, Bruce. Bruce Thar- Thar- yep. Mm-hmm. And it was overwhelming, right? And so I'm like, yeah. I swear if I had taken that course. So I say go for it. But yeah. I also, I think the biggest thing is really... Um, you know, get it down as soon as, like, really be, have that quality and that product down really well before you start to try to mass produce it or go further. Like, we expanded too soon into, like, different regions, and we weren't ready. Like, we didn't have the right team. We didn't have the right resources. And it kind of, you know, it was in a, a bummer in, in a way. And I, I wish we had just really concentrated locally and gotten a lot more, you know, traction in like strength um, sooner just by sticking locally instead of growing too fast. So a little deeper, I think you're talking about Northern California, right? Yeah, I mean, we we had, yeah, we had gotten into, yep, all of California, Southern California. We were in you all, were in California yeah. and then you decided to just pull that back. Yeah, because we couldn't, I mean, I didn't There's understand. There's a lot of the, business in Southern California. Yeah. Like they, a lot. I know we were, I mean, we were in Whole Foods and Bristol Farms and, but it's just like people didn't really know our brand. So yeah. it's just, it kind of sat on the shelf and then unless you can afford to put them on sale and really understanding the margins is a big thing that I would, you know, suggest to people going in because a lot of times they don't get the distributor margins that they're going to have to put in. So making sure they're pricing it right. So, you know, and backtracking, like how much money do you, I mean, it, the bottom line is sucks if the money is a big part of this whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> you you're gotta, to gotta make sure money. the money works. You gotta, gotta make, you gotta make money. So yeah, really money. understanding the mm-hmm. margins yep. is huge and, mm-hmm. and understanding that um, it's gonna take more than you think, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's also good for people to know that sometimes you try something and then it doesn't work right. and then that's okay. You just, you learn yeah, from it and totally. you don't do stop. it that same way yeah, again or you're change. like, okay, wait, mm-hmm. we're going to scale back from this yes. and we're going to focus on where we're doing really right. well. Yes. Exactly. So that's what we had. Yeah. That's exactly what we did. Yeah. And so the last two years we've just focused a lot more energy and of our, any of our resources on the local um, you know, Portland and Seattle and in expanding our reach beyond grocery into like like the food service and the moda and the the sea stores and just having it to, at different places rather than just the 
one yeah. channel. So we talked about cookies, and now I'm wondering about the ice cream. Yes. So the ice cream is um, actually processed in a grated dairy. Yep. And then Locked you receive it. Yep. Yep. Pasteurized. And how does that all work? Yeah, so we come, so we actually, you at the Food Innovation Center, we've changed the formula once. We took out some of the um, stabilizers, but we have a really clean um, ice cream formula. It's just milk, cream, organic sugar, egg yolks, and a little bit of locust bean gum Mm -hmm. is the one stabilizer. Um, And we get it in fresh every week. So it's just never frozen. It's never frozen. Ah. We don't, we flavor it, you know. At, um, batch by batch, we're really are still truly doing small batch ice creams. Um, I'm super proud of our our dairy and our the freshness and the quality. Um, it, it just shines through. It's it's we've designed it not to be too sweet because, like when I was working at the food innovation, like first you know when I first started the company, all of the ice creams were made on the stovetop, so the all the flavors were infused during the milk and cream, you know, mm-hmm. heating up on the stovetop, the lavender, the coffee, everything was like infused that way. And then I, how do you do that? You know, you know how do you use real ingredients and yeah. not just flavors as you grow? Mm-hmm. So then we designed the ice cream base to not be as sweet, and then we make the mint syrup, we make a lavender syrup, so that. Um, flavor comes through as as a syrup into our ice creams so that it's not that sweet. So our vanilla bean really is just pure vanilla extract into that ice cream base. And people comment a lot like, I really, we like your vanilla because it's not that sweet. Mm-hmm. It's not that like sugary sweet. Yeah. So yeah. And like I said, just the processes of making the ice cream have, have improved so much, even in just this last year since we've got that tunnel freezer. It's really been great. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Lisa, I'm sorry to say that we are about out of time. So it's a is, good time is there here. anything you want to, any final words you want to say to our listeners? I say. Is there anything you want to plug? Um, well, I, well, we've got our Valentine's Day package. Um, I've been working on it 23rd. Um, we have a few, we do this every year of Valentine's Day, free delivery, um, something unique. So we have like four different bite-sized ice cream sandwiches that um, you can order for your loved one and get delivered on Valentine's Day. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's um, really cool. Yeah, it's a tradition I would really like to keep going. Um, but again, it's harder as we grow, but. That's something that, yeah, we're doing right something now. Something special. Yeah. Everybody can go get their loved ones a Valentine's oh, yeah. Day ice cream package. Exactly. So they would go to the Northwest 23rd, or can they order it online? Yeah, they can order it online. Cool. Yeah, and But our, you deliver. Yeah, and then we'll that, deliver the first 30 for free. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then, but most of them you can pick up at our 23rd. That's so. cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thanks for coming on the show yes, today. Thank thanks, you for Lisa. having me. It was great to have you. I'm going to go get some ice cream. Yeah, yeah let's, let's do awesome. it. We uh, record Missoni and Marshall inside of Ned Space. You can tune in live every Friday at 9 a.m. or you can find us on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks to Alon, our audio engineer, and our production assistant, Chelsea. If you want to be on the show, you can submit um, those requests at startupradionetwork.com. And we will be here next week. Bye. 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 <laughs> Oregon State University's College of Agricultural Sciences and the Food Innovation Center are proud sponsors of the Meaningful Marketplace. Committed to serving all Oregonians with the mission to advance the science that lives at the crossroads of conservation and production. We are inspired by the creativity of food innovation, new economic opportunities, and new experiences. 
because food brings people together. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.